podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello sports fans and thank you for listening to the TTM Sports Show. The sports podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. Where you can guarantee explosive debate, trending topics, big interviews and guests and regular uploads. Proudly sponsored by Prestige Paving and Patios and Anstis Grounds and Gardens. So strap yourself in for the latest episode of the TTM Sports Show. Hello and welcome to episode number 64 of the TTM Sports Show. My name is James. Uh, my name is James. And together we are TTM Sports. Now tonight we're absolutely proud to be joined by another fan from the Premier League from another podcast called Scrubs and Scholars. And we have got Demilo. How are you? All right? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's nice to be here as well. So. Absolutely. So talk to us about your podcast then so our listeners can see um, or hear for that matter uh, what, what your gig is all about. Um, yeah, so ours, we just obviously started up, we started up from Clubhouse, if you know the app, which is yeah, people yeah. randomly together. And then obviously we saw a community growing, we had about 100 people, we have like a group chat as well. And we thought, if we've got this amount of people that we know, because I've met most of them, we thought we might as well do a podcast through it. And obviously there's a load of agendas and you know how Twitter is nowadays, just agendas, agendas. But then you have to be careful about podcasts because if you're just going to go full agendas and people might not want to listen. So you, you have to know where the thin line is. But yeah, I just want to know, my long-term aim is to get to like football media. I want to do like podcasting as a full-time job. So I just thought I might as well start as I'm only 24 now. So hopefully in the future I can develop and grow something. So yeah. Uh, spot on. I mean, how many episodes in are you at the moment? Um, so video-wise, we're like 15. I would say overall about like 23, 24. Good. Yeah, so yeah. Well, the golden rule to podcasting that we found out, we've been doing it now for... Oh, I'd say about just over a year to 18 months, maybe 16 months, something like that. Um, you know, you, you, there's two trigger points. The first one is the seven, the seventh episode of podcast. And it was 75% of podcasts stop on or before the seventh podcast. And the second one is the 21st. If you can beat those two milestones, you know that you're in it for the long haul, which is great. Um, at the moment, we're on, well, this is 64, so that's not too bad. And we, we've interviewed people, uh, ex-football managers, boxing champions, etc., etc., which is pretty cool. Um, have you guys interviewed anybody of note yet, or are you still working on that at the moment? Um, so we had like a, somebody who's in the industry of like music and football. So cool. So we obviously we spoke to him. And then we had Leroy Lee to the former footballer before. I've actually yeah, yeah. Well. So yeah, and I, I used to talk to him quite a bit. So that was quite a decent thing to get insight into football from there. But that's like mm. the main aim going forward to like get more footballers and people on because then that would draw the listeners in as well. Yeah, I think you're definitely on something with a video podcast. And so we've we've um, we've done bits and pieces of video podcasts, but more more so on our um other side of the podcast and that we do we do conspiracies as well mm-hmm. and uh paranormal uh supernatural that sort of thing um on ttm dark so we have done a bit of video podcast in there but it, like we said off air so it is hard work it is hard work so on on with this podcast as a man united fan at the moment ralph's in the big man the gegenpress granddaddy godfather uh of, of german football 
Um, Man United at the moment. I predicted in pre-season that we would be in this situation. Um, I did say that it would, we would be around. They would be around seventh place. Asking on Sky Sports with Roy Keane just looking angrily at the screen, saying, "What's happened? What what's gone on? How do you fix Manchester United?" Yeah, that's a very good question. It's not something that you can easily just say in like two or three points. In my opinion, we could be screwed for another few years because we need to reset the whole club from top to bottom. In my opinion, it starts from obviously the top, the Glazers. They need to start fixing up and getting people in who actually want to care about the football side of it. But Ed Woodward, who's just going to buy like fancy toys that the fans want. But again, I'm not saying that fans don't know what a good player is, but you need to be able to match the personnel with the right manager, with the right players in the squad. And I think we've got too many players in our team which are shining toys, for example, Sancho and Ronaldo, who don't suit. Actually, Sancho would suit like a Donny van der Beek, but Sancho and Donny van der Beek don't suit what Oli wanted and doesn't suit what maybe a Bruno Fernandes one. Because I think Bruno and, um, who's the other one I said? Bruno Rashford are kind of like more direct footballers. Mm, mm. They want to play the first pass and then shoot on site, whereas Donny van der Beek and Sancho are more like intricate. They want to play with nice one-two passing, kind of like a decent build-up. The Man United need to like get a structure of playing football and they need to build that model from the youth team up in order for us to succeed long-term. And you can't just keep buying players here and there, 50 million pounds, 80 million pounds centre-back, 50 million pounds right-back, who isn't good enough to be a right-back. It's just a mess. So it's very, 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 very in-depth what we need to do anyways. Yeah, I I, um, I, I agree. I agree completely. Like, Ranić um, has come in for six months and I, and I look at it and I think, okay, so he's going to do the six months. You, you, you're either he's going to do well and you're going to have to have him long-term because they'll give him the gig or he's going to go upstairs. And then, But the problem with him going upstairs is that somebody's then got to come in and pretty much work underneath him, almost like a disciple, which is why I feel somebody like a Pochettino wouldn't necessarily work because he's not going to want to come in and dance to the tune of Ralph Ranich. And if Ralph Ranich has done the job and done it, poorly if you don't get top four for example who's going to want to come in and work underneath a guy who's done the job himself and couldn't do it yeah so it needs to be like a young i think um, we'll find it jesse march someone like that one james in it jesse Jesse march March, that's that's who we think should uh should go in there and someone who can work to that german austrian gegenpress uh high intensity style which has proven so prudent just across just across the way there at Anfield, um, as I'm sure you're completely aware. Um, now, in terms of the rest of the top four race as well, um, you can't discount, obviously, Manchester United, clearly, because they've got, yes, a lot of round, uh, you know, round, round pieces in square holes, as it were, or whatever, but they're still bloody good players. And, and you can't get away from that fact. They're a massive club. Everybody who knows anything about football knows that they're huge and they're big, bigger than Tottenham, for instance. But I, I would also argue that, uh, you know, you've got, um, you know, Arsenal with no European football. Um, they're out the FA Cup now. They've lost um, convincingly in the in the League Cup as well. So obviously you would expect Arsenal to really be pushing Chelsea at the minute. You know, they're dipping up and down like a yo-yo. Um, so I... Chelsea are wobbling an inch, but we have to remember that they are a little bit further clear. So this top four race now is going to be between Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester United, Arsenal. Have West Ham got the legs or or have they shot their load? You know, with West Ham, I just feel like it's going to be the same fate that happens. You know, in football, you know, a team starts out well and you give them like seven, eight months and they're there or thereabouts. Like Leicester. 
at Leicester and also they're still in the Europa League aren't they so that's yeah. going to hinder them even more so I don't know if they're going to do it I, I, I thought two months ago I said they are dangerous to obviously the top four but I just don't see it anymore I think in the end the top will rise to the, the cream will rise to the top and I just think they'll fall off a little bit but we're waiting to see again we were talking the other day, weren't we, about West Ham and would sort of saying are they the new Leicester? Um, so you know, West Ham they've come, they've tried to come to the party a little bit over the last couple of years. No, no doubt about it. You know, you've got to say they're on the up. Things are looking good. I was going to ask you there, Dan. Um, where do you see West Ham in the food chain now? Are they in that top four race legitimately? Um, so I need that. I need to see if um, I know they've sold. I think Gold and Sullivan. I think they're looking to sell more shares. I think is yeah. It? Check check investor. Check investors. I think they need to do that because I don't think they want to spend any money. If they can get a little bit more funding in and get a little more personnel in, I think with David Moyes they are definitely just below Tottenham and Arsenal. I would say because I still think they need a bit more in depth in their teams. I just think they lack in certain areas. Like Antonio's their only strike up front. I just don't think that work if you want to get into a top four long haul as well and I don't think in my opinion that he's that good so I generally believe that they need to do strength in depth but I would say I think Tottenham in my opinion with Conte if you back him you'll be a lot higher than you think I think Arsenal and Man United are just below Tottenham and I'd say West Ham are just below them and I think Leicester are completely out of it I just can't see Leicester coming back from, from any yeah yeah, no, I, I I agree with what you're saying there. Actually, I think there's no excuse for Tottenham with the, with the games in hand that they've got, and you know Harry Kane now in uh, according to James, he's in world class form now. So obviously, I, I, I never said so, he was in world class. So, so he's form. back now. So he's back. You've got Son to come back in, and you know when they play six at the back, you would expect them to concede hardly any goals. Um, so with two attackers against Chelsea, two attacking players, Tottenham. Um, but but what we will say also is when you really look at it, when you when you really break it down. You, you would expect um, top Tottenham to be up there. No, I completely agree with you. Now, West Ham, you know, I, I would say historically, I think Arsenal, the biggest club in, 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 in North London, followed by, obviously, you I, I would say out of Arsenal, Tottenham and West Ham, I'd say Tottenham are the smallest of the three, historically, absolutely, based on trophies won, historically. Um, however, no, now... Tottenham aren't smaller uh, than West Ham. We're not for, tro- for, 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 for trophies won in the history of football, you are. Um, uh, however, I... but I, I think that Tottenham are right now the top dogs out, out of those three clubs. Take Chelsea because they're in a different league. Um, but obviously out of the rest of them, you would say Tottenham followed by Arsenal, followed by West Ham. But historically, I would definitely have West Ham up there, no doubt. I don't know though because who has more tro- wouldn't doesn't Tottenham have more trophies than West Ham or am I wrong? We've got more European trophies. Oh, what about league trophies? I think we might have um, it could be tight on league titles I think we've got three or four and then you've and got eight FA Cups I think it's seven mm-hmm. I think it's seven and they've got they might have nine Seven, eight, or nine—it's tight again. It, to oh. be fair, there's not much in. I'm sure James is going to tell us in a sec. <laughs> you know, well, Tottenham have won two league titles there in 125 go. years. Um, eight FA Cups, uh, four League Cups, um, and in European football, you've won the European Cup Winners' Cup and two UEFA Cups, which is actually quite good um, in terms of European football. Well up there with Forest and Villa. Um, so absolutely uh, and in terms of West Ham United I always like to check these stats online because it adds a bit of a different dimension the, the conversation takes on a different uh, just a completely different take on things to be honest but in terms of West Ham United's trophies well they have won uh, they've won 
four FA Cups, uh, the European Cup Winners' Cup as well. Um, so absolutely, and they've they've uh, I can't even find how many uh, league trophies they've won. Maybe they've never won it, but uh, Inter Toto Cup for sure. Absolutely, but let's not be Got honest. Counted. Back back to the top four race. So my prediction is, uh, I think it will be Tottenham, followed by Arsenal followed by United, followed by West Ham. And I only say that because Tottenham have got games in hand, big time, and Arsenal have got no European football. Um, United are still in Europe, though, aren't they? They're in every trophy bar they cover. There you go. And United, but I, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to bet on it because if you bet against Man United, when you look at all the squads out of those clubs that we just named, Man United have got United the strongest squad. The squad. They've got the best squad, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. Um but the European campaign, they seem to be doing a bit better in Europe anyway. I think there's maybe a bit less pressure. I don't know. Well, I mean, for a fan's perspective, what would it mean not getting top four this season? Oh, no, no, no. It would be, it'd be a disaster. Because uh, you can't spend the amount of money we did. You can't buy Ronaldo, you know, some of us didn't want him. You can't buy Sancho, you can't buy Varane. You can't have the players you have and not get top four. I know us to have one game a week, so technically you should aid them more, but you can't buy the players you have and finish outside the top four. And... I don't believe we will win the Champions League. I just don't think we'll be good enough. So we'll be left with the FA Cup. And if we don't win that, we'll have nothing. I, I, top four is at least the minimum that we should get this season. So yeah. would you pie off all the other competitions, just put out the reserves and just put your best team out every single week in a Premier League and just blow the other the, the, yeah, the, the, the lesser squads away? I, I, you know, I think we need the top four more than we need a trophy this year. In my personal opinion, I just think we got top four, but we finish outside the. Um, if we get a trophy, but finish outside the top four, unless it's the Champions League. If we win the Champions League, then we don't need to finish top four because we'll just get. Yeah, of course. If we win the FA Cup and don't finish top four, then players, all the players that are going to leave will leave. And obviously, I know we want some of them to leave anyway, but it's just going to be even worse for us. And players won't want to come here. Plus, we won't get the manager we may want because, like I said earlier, he's going to want to go there. So it'll just be a disaster, in my opinion. Who do you think is going to be the next manager? Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to be Poch. It's going to be Poch. I just think the board seem to love him so much. There's obviously this fascination with what he did at Tottenham, which when he left, you guys actually wanted him then. But I think now he's kind of stagnated a bit. He hasn't progressed, in my opinion. I know he's PSG and I know the players there are. But I just don't see anything or any sort of progression since he's left you. And I just feel like he'll come here and he won't increase us. He'll just keep us at the same level. And, I really don't want that. But personally, if you I want, I wanted Conte, but he's at Chelsea. So, yeah, yeah maybe I... someone like Hasenhudel as well is uh, another good one. Of those two, you need to take one of them German youngsters that you can need work gamble, underneath I think, I Ralph. Think, but then again, though, you, you say that, you you know, an untested manager. Well, the last manager you had was Solskjaer, who was unproven, really. Yeah, but Hasenhudel was Ranić's right. CV, if you actually look at it on paper, doesn't look that impressive. Well, the only thing that's impressive about him is that like, the testimonials from other people, you know, and, and he's obviously, like Jane said, he's the granddaddy of German Gegenpress, like, which is, which is cool. But uh, what's it translated to on the pitch, realistically? I think he's won one Bundesliga two, not the one, the two. And yeah. The DFB Pokal. Yeah, it? the Pokal. Yeah, yeah that's, the, uh, that's the cup competition. Yeah. Mm. I think his best job is what he does upstairs rather than what he does on yeah. the these actual teams so yeah gonna be- i'm gonna look i'm gonna look in to see what he actually did at uh locomotive moscow so for our listeners out there listening to this i'll uh, i'll do a little bit on that about what ralph actually did at, at locomotive moscow because that's where he was and he was doing a director of football there wasn't he um he was a 
a director of football at Lokomotiv Moscow. So, I mean, if, if, if this guy was that good, what's he doing out way out east in Russia, um, sat upstairs to a half-empty Luzhniki Stadium? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's the one thing it was hard because when he was appointed I did I didn't mind it like I didn't I wanted him in but when I was going on this podcast and like Ralph was going to bring him, I'm just sat there like I'm having to talk rubbish just to back him because I don't want to seem negative yeah understood yeah, yeah I mean because it's not like I didn't want him I did but there's nothing to, for me to suggest he's going to take us anywhere because he's literally done I think in terms of football wise like you've just said what's he doing in Oak Locomotive Moscow like I'm going to be honest with you Russian football doesn't do anything for anything because they, nice. they don't go far in any of the competitions the teams don't go far in the competition so why would you pick that destination because it is very very sketchy like if I was to say to you who won the Russian league last year not guaranteed to know it no, if you could say name me sure. Russian clubs, I'll probably Zenit, go but... Sp- Zenit, Spartak, Lokomotiv. They used to have Andrey Makalaka. Yeah. yeah. FC Rostov, that's correct. Yeah, David um, Bentley had a stint there. He yeah. did indeed. He did. He did indeed. Uh, David, good, good player. Um, and, and I think um, I think that's about it, if I'm honest with you. Um, that's that's so, you know, Spart- Sparta maybe, and Spartak Moscow as well, sorry. So, yeah. Like a, like a, that one, yeah. yeah, 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 with Chris Samba or whatever they were called. Roberto yeah, Carlos Samba was there, Eto, yeah. Yuri Zhirkov, yeah, a wonderful left back for Chelsea as well. When Igor Akinfeev, has he always been CSKA? But anyway, um, you know, back on, and this is the wonderful thing about football we could be talking about a top four race. One minute we're talking about, you know, Mikhail Antonio, the next we're talking about David Bentley's ill-fated stint in Eastern Russia with FC Rostov, and that's the that's the wonderful thing about the game we all love so okay transfers we're deep into january it's established liverpool isn't going to sign anybody because we never do um you know hopefully in the summer we might sign someone anyone who are you going to be looking at mate who are you looking at for man united we're not signing anyone in this summer we shouldn't in this transfer market it's just there's no point um in terms of personnel i don't know about specifically players we should buy the actual people but we need my opinion, we need a centre-back, we need a right-back, we need three centre-midfielders. Yeah, is that bad. We need at least one DM, one box-to-box, one creative midfielder. And then long, and maybe even another left-back, because, I don't know, Luke Shaw, with Luke Shaw, he plays well for six months, has a year bad, and then six months, like, you have to, you're 26, 27, you can't be behaving like that. Alex Tellez, I don't know if he's good enough. And another position we may need to look at is goalkeeper, because if you look at David De Gea, oh, yeah, Dean Henderson. Nah, I don't know. He, I, just, I think his time is over anyway because of what apparently he's the lead in the team. But in the long term, with David De Gea, have you noticed that whenever Man United are good, he's bad. And whether he's good, we're bad. And he doesn't come off his line. His distribution isn't great. And him, he's not really a dominant goalkeeper. And in the modern day football, all of those attributes are necessary to be a good goalkeeper. I'm not saying he's bad now. I'm not saying get rid of him now. Long term, we're going to need to get a new goalkeeper in order to. He's an unbelievable shot stopper, though, isn't he? He's one of the best we've ever had. He's like he's got three legs. But um, in terms of central midfielders, you mentioned you need three. Does that mean the writing's on the wall for Paul Pogba, Scott McTominay, Fred, and obviously, you know, not on this podcast, Bruno Fernandez? We ain't having him. Um, There's a saying that I coined, which has done the rounds, which Bruno Fernandez spends more time in the air than a deck chair in a hurricane. He's very quick to dish it out and act like a hard man. But if you flick him on the back of the ear and he just touches a little bit of bum fluff of hair underneath the earlobe, he goes down, big style. Um, what do you think of Bruno Fernandes? 
See, this is a weird one because if a lot of people, if you ask a lot of people know me, they always tell you I have an agenda. To me, Bruno Fernandes, I think he has quality. I think that passing range, I'm not saying he has a good passing range, but he can pass the ball, he can score goals, he's quite creative. My problem is I just don't like the way he plays football in the sense mm. that he's in his mind. I'd love to see what he sees because it's not like he gets the ball, mm-hmm. to keep the ball, keep possession, and actually try and like, build momentum, score hero or hero ball, just wants to get the ball and smash it up. Now, that's not football in the modern day. And a lot of people have said number 10 is like to try new things. When have you ever heard that? I've never seen Zidane or Ozu or Iniesta or whoever played 10 at the times. I know some played left, left mid forward or whatever. But, you know, I've never heard that. So, in my opinion, he needs to adapt his game to a modern-day centre midfielder and stop this whole hearable, score hero type football. And when he does that, the goals and assists will come because when it's on, it's on, in my opinion. If you're yeah. on the ball and you need to shoot because it's open, you shoot. But you don't you're not in your own half next Harry Maguire and you see um, Rashford running and you smash it because that's not football. So I just feel like he needs to grow up and grow into the game more and then maybe he'll obviously become more reversed and more respected. Well, that's a, that's a brilliant is, assessment. Uh, it is. Spot the on. thing with, with Bruno is, for me, um, if you were to put together a highlight reel, he'll have the best play you've ever seen. Yeah. Some of his goals, you know, his passing, his assists, everything. He, and, you know, when he's on it and he plays with a lot of passion, you know, mm. he have an unbelievable highlight reel, that guy. Um, but on a consistent basis for 90 minutes, I think he, I think sometimes he can be a bit of a burden yeah. uh, on that side as well. And when I see him... With the Including his haircut as well, it's a disgrace. Yeah, he, yeah, he needs to sort that that trim out, big style. But um, any any like time I see him with a captain's armband on, I think... Um, I just think, look how far, like the the bar, the standard has dropped. Not not in terms of quality, but in terms of leaders. Yeah. You know, you'd think twelve years ago or ten years ago, Rio Ferdinand was captain of Man United, and now it's Bruno Fernandez. And you know, you, the bar has dropped so low, and that's where it all stems stems to. They should just let Ronaldo be the hero, because let's be brutally honest with you, a lot of Man United fans I'm hearing murmurs they don't want him there no more um, and I'm thinking I think he single-handedly won you games earlier on in the season got you out of jail with 95th minute winners and last minute equalisers where the hell would you be if he wasn't there for the beginning part of the season? What's your view on uh, on Cristiano? The, the thing is is that it's weird. You have to be able, you have to be good enough to accommodate for a player who's a luxury. He mm. doesn't offer anything outside of scoring goals. I know that sounds crazy because scoring goals wins you games, but if he's not going to score, he's not going to score every game. That's not football. You can't score every game. And he's going to need to be able to do more when he's not scoring, and he doesn't do anything when he's not scoring. So that's the problem. When we're not good enough to be able to accommodate for a player like that, so unfortunately, in my opinion, we shouldn't have signed him. But is what it is, and you've got you've got him now. You've got him for two years, so you have to accommodate for him. Whether it means change the formations like a three-five-two and have him right on the top. That's and, what I'd do, yeah. right at the very top, and then go to MLS. Yeah, exactly, and having like five midfielders because then you've always got people in the middle, and he doesn't need to run. But you can't play four-four-two-two-two or four-three-four mm. and have him there because he won't do anything, and then we will just literally look lost in midfield. So it's a fifty-fifty. It was too good an opportunity to miss for both of you, really. It was, it was either that or he turns up at the Etihad. Yeah, exactly. that yeah. couldn't happen. That couldn't ever happen. So it's 50-50, really. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we were backed into a corner a little bit, I think, with that. Um, if you have to say probably some fantastic work by super agent George Mendes getting, getting that one uh, worked through. But, it, you, you know, couldn't have him turn up down the road. No way. 
Um, now, obviously, that that brings an end to to this edition, Demi. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave it there for the, for this particular podcast. We will be sorting out another podcast fairly soon, where we're gonna have a um, a supporter of maybe two or three or four clubs. So when we do a top four race, we'll have the Tottenham fan, we'll have the United fan, we'll have the West Ham and the Arsenal fan on, and we can all just have a massive debate to see, you know, who we think should be up there in the views of their own fans, which I think is interesting. Um, besides that, where can our listeners listen to your stuff? Um, so obviously we're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Music as well, Apple Podcasts, and it's like just Scrubs and Scholars. That's our name on Instagram and Twitter as well. So if you want to find us, we're all on there as well. So, yeah. Well, what we'll do, um, this will be out uh, within the next 48 hours. We release a podcast every couple of days. We're trying to get to 150 podcasts this year. That's our target. Um, so obviously, um, yes, in two two days, this will be out. Um, and also, we'll, we'll tag you in this too. And hopefully, uh, some of our listeners can get over there and give you some follows as well, which would be nice. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on to the TTM Sports Show. And um, we really, really look forward to seeing how your podcast develops over time. And furthermore, we look forward to having you back. Thank you very much. It was nice coming on as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Hello sports fans and thank you for listening to the TTM Sports Show. The sports podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. Where you can guarantee explosive debate, trending topics, big interviews and guests and regular uploads. Proudly sponsored by Prestige Paving and Patios and Anstis Grounds and Gardens. So strap yourself in for the latest episode of the TTM Sports Show. Podcast Network.